If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. NBA fans, welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press. We're pulling it back to back tonight because we're old school like that. We ain't no little whiny bitches trying to uh, trying to get out of our, our due diligent duties as professionals, or you know sometimes lack thereof. Anyway, I'm Nick Smith. I'm your host <laughs> as always, uh, and we got Jawan, Joel, and Luke. We got a full panel tonight. Jawan, what's going on, brother? What's going on? I'm super ready to talk some basketball. Yeah, you got you you you've had something on your mind all day, so I'm interested to uh, to you know <laughs> catch all of that when the time when the time comes. Uh, Luke, what's going on, man? I'm um, doing pretty good, guys. Uh, how's everyone doing? Doing great. Uh, Joel, what's up, man? What is good? I want to say that that intro sounds better. Did you guys change it, or is it just the same one? It just sounded better today for some reason. <laughs> You've kind of you been away for back, a while. Joel? Huh? He was trying to he was trying to pat himself on the back. I see that, Joel. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out. It just sounded clearer than usual. I don't know. I thought you guys uh-huh, were Uh-huh. You you did the drop, and, and now you're trying to say, Man, I didn't know I did if you had updated the drop. I'm just asking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> All right, enough petty squabbles. Gentlemen, we have news to discuss. Um, so let's hop right into it. We're going to start with our third quarter awards. So we got our MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man, Most Improved, Coach of the Year, and General Manager. We're going to break those down one by one. Um, Luke, you weren't here for our first uh, quarter or second quarter awards. So I'm going to start with you on each of these. I'll be really interested to uh, kind of um, see what, what your picks are uh, for these awards as we have not heard yours yet. So starting with MVP, who you got? I mean, I, I hope this is just unanimous for all of us, but it's James Harden. I mean, he's just having an incredible season. He's the scoring leader right now. He's third in assists. I mean, he's point one off of being second in assists. He's had just four games of 50-plus points. I mean, what else can I say? James Harden. He's gotten second the last two years in a row. I think he finally is going to have the year to do it. Yeah, Anthony Davis has had a good stretch of the games lately, but James Harden's just been doing it all season. And Houston's in second right now, or they're tied for first, so just James Harden. Yeah, um, it's going to be. I think it's going to be really hard for anybody to argue against that at this point. Um, but if nobody else will, maybe I'll try. Uh, Joanne, what are your thoughts? 
Uh, I will actually be that guy because I am that guy. Ooh. Um, I'm going LeBron James. Uh, that was my MVP in the offseason. Um, and I feel as though <clears throat> what he's done by himself, uh, just individually, um, definitely screams out in year 15, I believe he's in, um, what he's doing for that Cavs team. And I always, I always go back to MVP to me means if you pluck that guy out of that roster, can that team still have any amount of success? Even though the Cavs are in the East, I still do not think that Cavs, that Cavs team would be almost struggling to make it into the eighth or seventh seed. Um, they wouldn't. I think if you take – well, yeah. <laughs> I think if you take Harden off of uh, the Rockets, would they be in first place or tied for first place? No. But I also don't think that they'd be struggling to make it into the playoffs. I think they'd at least be a five or six seed team. So they wouldn't drastically, like, be, you know, out of the existence of the playoff picture. I think the Cavs would because LeBron means so much to that team. He's playing a lot of minutes. He's, you know, almost averaging a triple-double. Hasn't missed a game all season. Hasn't missed a game all season. I think the reason why we're so comfortable just giving it to Harden is because we felt as though he deserved it maybe two years ago or last year. And the fact that he keeps getting snubbed is why we're like, all right, well, listen, he has to get it now. It's the same thing with, like, Leonardo DiCaprio. So he won it. We were just like, all right, listen, a lot of these actors are great, but you can't keep skipping him. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think we're just ready to give it to him because it's like you can't keep skipping the guy. But if you actually look at it, I think LeBron means more in the category is most valuable player. And I think he's more valuable to his team than James Harden is. So I would go with LeBron James. It's interesting. Um, You know, I mean, the the argument, I think the best argument going for Harden right now, because their numbers are close enough, I mean – they're both right there in assists. Harden's definitely the points leader, but it's not like LeBron's like, what, two or three points in average behind, something like that. Um, LeBron's obviously got more rebounds. Um, five points. Not, is it five? Yeah, like 26 yeah, to 31, something like that. Okay, yeah, so like five points. Um, but, I mean, LeBron's got to average close to five rebounds more or, you know, close to at least three or four. Um and then, I mean, oh if you look at the other – other, uh, yeah, if you look at the other kind of stats, they're all kind of equal. I think the big thing that would separate Harden is the team record. Um, but, you know, Westbrook obviously kind of – I wouldn't say, like – I wouldn't say put an end to that as a qualification because I think it's just kind of more like an outlier of a year. Um, but I definitely think he opened up the question um, to say, you know, maybe you don't have to have one of the two best teams in your conference to, you know, to – to qualify, you know, for an MVP. Um, Joel, are you going to bring a little sensibility to this conversation, or are we going to get even crazier? No, you're not going to get much craziness for me. Uh, I had James Harden the last time we did this, the second our second picks, um, and I still think it's still James Harden now. And, yes, it's because we keep skipping over him. Uh, yeah, you could give it to LeBron James. You can give LeBron James every fucking year if you wanted to because he's the best player in the league. Because that's just how it is. Um, but James Harden, is they're, what, tied for first in the West? Or, like, second in the first? They were, they were first by a half check, but it wasn't by much. There you go. Against yeah. the Warriors, this elite team <laughs> that are, like, world beaters, they're right up there with them. 
and you got him like being a leader and scoring one of the top uh, guys in assists. Um, they wouldn't be where they at without him. They wouldn't be considered a, a true threat without him. And some people didn't think he would be able to mesh with Chris Paul. You believe that shit? And they did it. And he's doing it. And he's doing it with – it's still an MVP caliber year for him. And I think he deserves it at this point because he did get kind of snubbed last year. But at the same time, I was not going to give it to him over a man that averaged a triple-double last year. I just couldn't do it. But this is his year for sure. Yeah, see, I mean, I agree with you about last year. Is I mean, it was it was a coin flip, but man, triple double, it means something. Like it's I hard. Get it. Like, well, and I get he's it. He's almost like, doing I, it again I, this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, he's very close. But here's the thing: like, almost, you know, doesn't cut it. Like, I feel like if he had averaged nine point eight assists or nine point eight rebounds last year, he wouldn't have gotten mm-hmm. the award. It's the fact that he averaged the triple double that won him the award. And, like, I know, you know, pundits can sit out there or can sit there and say, like, is that, is, does that really make a difference, whether you average 9.9 or 10, you know, rebounds? And it's like, no, maybe. I mean, it doesn't really make a difference, but these these arbitrary things mean something to the media and the fans and the players. Like, stats do matter, like, when you're, when sure. you're looking at an MVP race. So, I, I 100% agree with you as far as last year. Um, I, I got a, I, you know, I had LeBron preseason. I had LeBron first quarter. I had LeBron second quarter, and then January happened, and I can't, I can't forget about that. Like it's a regular season award. His team was horrible in January. He didn't play well. Um, it, it, granted, he came back in February and he played great. But the last time we had this award, Harden had just gotten hurt. He and he and LeBron were neck and neck. So Harden was going to be sitting out for, you know, like five, six, seven games, eight games, whatever it ended up being. Um, and, mm-hmm. and LeBron just, like, floundered. He, I mean, he averaged, like, a measly, like, 22, 23 points per game. Maybe less than that, honestly. I can't remember exactly what it was. But the month of January was a terrible month for both he and Cleveland. Um, his defense has not been good this year. It like, like, and, and Harden's hasn't been bad. Granted, all of these good defenders around him help him so much. Um, yeah. But like, you know, I, I I agree. I just I just feel like he, from from the point where I was still having LeBron when we did this award last time, right around the Harden injury, to now, mm-hmm. Harden has just dominated over the course of that stretch. And I had them so close at that point in time, I can't, like, I can't dismiss that. So through the, you know, third quarter of the season, so from second quarter to third quarter of the season, Harden has just dominated. And so for that reason, I got to go Harden. And I agree, Luke, with you. Anthony Davis has been great since Cousins yeah, went out. Fucking I mean, amazing. He's, been, he's been terrific. Like it's it's remarkable how good he has been playing, yeah. and that team is nine and one over their last ten, and currently in fourth place. Like nobody, no, yeah, fuck? nobody would have predicted that. Um, so yeah, I mean he's been great, but like you got to look at it over the course of the whole season. And Anthony Davis for the first half of the season was really good. He was not great. He wasn't even in the conversation. More so, Boogie was in the yeah. conversation. So, exactly, 
so yeah, I mean, I just don't, I don't, I can't give it to him despite, you know, having, you know, a really good, um, like two months period. Um, so yes, Harden's the guy for me. He's, he's done it over the course of the whole year. And I do think, I will say this to your credit, Juwan, I do think definitely part of it goes into it for me that he, um, he's, he's placed second twice. Um, because let's not kid ourselves. This is definitely an, an award where they, they like to, um, you know, reward people who are deserving over the course of several years. So if it's a coin flip, they're going to give it to the guy who hasn't won it yet. Like, that's just the way it is. That's why Carl Malone won, you know, instead of Michael Jordan that one year. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's why Derrick Rose won instead of LeBron James. Like, that's just how it right. works. So, yep. But for all of those reasons, I got to go with, got to go with Harden too. Um so anyway, let's move on. We got one that I think we might have some a little more mixed opinions on. Rookie of the year. I feel like it's a two horse race. Um but Luke, how do you see it and who do you got? All right, so I mean the two the two horse race is definitely obvious. It's either Mitchell's or Simmons. Um I'm just gonna go with someone oh man, dude, this is so hard, but I'm gonna go with Donovan Mitchell. Just because I think he just impacts his team more. I mean, Rudy Gobert was supposed to be, you know, their next superstar, but it's kind of he's been injured this year, so there's not really any other go-to person on Utah that you really see. And Donovan Mitchell just came right out of the gates and just taken over. I mean, he's the only rookie since Jordan to have multiple forty-plus forty-point uh, games. So that's speaking a lot right there. I think in the end. Uh, their team might not make the playoffs just because the West is just harder. But, uh, I mean, this with the 76ers, you've got Joel Embiid that's over there as well. And Joel Embiid's a great player, so you've got two players. So I just think Dobbin Mitchell has more of an impact for his team right now, and it means a lot more for his team. Yeah. I mean, there's there's it, – it is crazy difficult argument, and it's another one of those cases where, I, to me, you've got two guys who are just, just – so neck and neck, so it, it it just makes it really hard. Um, Jawan, who are you going with? I agree with Luke. Uh, goes to Donovan Mitchell. Um, is is great as Ben Simmons is playing. It is a little easier when you have a guy over there who can average. <laughs> not saying that he is, but who can average like thirty and fifteen a night. Um, and now that they took the training wheels off of Joel Embiid, it it, it makes it a lot easier knowing that you can depend on him. Uh, on a night-to-night basis. Uh, Donovan Mitchell looks to his left and right and, and always goes, I'm going to have to be Kobe for this team. Like, that, that's just what, it, what it's come down to. I'm going to have to be Kobe every night. Ben Simmons can have an off night and the Sixers still win because you have Joel Embiid. Donovan Mitchell, especially in this playoff push, cannot afford to have off nights uh, because there's just really no one else to help carry the load. So I think it has to go to Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I mean, there's those are – the exact arguments why I think you can say Donovan Mitchell. Um, Joel, are you still going to do it to us where you're just not going to give us, you're not going to pick between them or has, has, has it, has one separated themselves from the other in, in a way that you can actually quantify who you think deserves it more? No, I'm going to stay where I'm at. I'm going to say we're going to have dual rookie of the year again. We're going to have dual rookie of the year. It's going to be Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell, goddammit. 
Just not you can't under I don't think you should undervalue what Ben Simmons has been for the for the Sixers. The guy's six ten. Do playing point guard and doing it well. Uh he's really just missing a jump shot. Yeah, he has Joel Embiid. And the Sixers are a better team than the Jazz, that's for sure. But he's a big reason why. He technically could have been an all-star this year if he really wanted to, if they were nicer to, you know, to, that, to him. Uh, he could have been an all-star this year. That's how good he is. Um, that's why I don't want to discount what he's been and what he's done. Um, Donovan Mitchell's been amazing. And I liked the kid coming out of college. I did not expect him to be this good. Now, I liked the Jazz going into the season – I expected them to possibly make the eighth seed even before I found out Donovan Mitchell was going to be a stud. So I gave the Jazz a lot more credit than some people did <laughs> from the beginning. Now, with him, they're, not at the, they're still not a playoff team, um, but they're almost there, and they're, they're right there. And I think they still have a chance to get there, and it's going to be a, a lot of that to me because of Donovan Mitchell. So I can't just credit anything anybody's saying against Donovan Mitchell like, but I can't take away from Ben Simmons either. So I do want to give a co-rookie of the year. It's been done before. I think it could be done again. It's it's been well-deserved for Ben Simmons and Donald Mitchell. See, and, like, as, as much of a cop-out as that is, um, it's, you're right. It has been done before, and this would certainly be, like, this would be the year that, it, that it, you have two people who are that deserving. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. So, you know, I mean – yeah, I can't. I can't really fault you on on wanting it. Um, I bet Luke's like, "Damn, I didn't know that was an option." <laughs> I know I did. I, I definitely knew it's an option. I just think Donovan Mitchell. I just think one of the coolest stats for Ben Simmons is he has yet to take a three point shot this year, and he's still doing really good this year. I didn't think that did mind blowing. Not even uh, one. I, think he just knows, I, I can't no, I shoot think a three. No, I think he has taken a three. Sure. No, no, I think I he has. I, I just don't think, I just don't think he's made any. Oh no, no, he hasn't he even attempted it. <laughs> Six ten. It's well, the weirdest stat. I'm gonna be, Nick, I'm gonna be honest with you. It sounds yeah. a thousand percent accurate. You have a guy who focuses either on passing, dunking, or rebounding. So I believe that any given day that the guy has hasn't uh, attempted any three pointers this season. Doesn't seem like he likes to shoot. Seems like he likes to either drive it or dish it or just get rebounds. So I, it sound, it definitely sounds possible for Ben Simmons. Yeah, he's yeah. got to work on uh, it, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but like, here's the thing: like, play play to your strong suits. Like, you're yeah, you're, no, exactly. you're starting in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, no, and I'm not saying like, and I don't even think Luke was throwing it out there as a knock. Really, I mean, I just, I mean, it's just like, dude. If, if, no, you're, if you don't feel comfortable, no, no. like there, like yeah, it's to his credit. Like then, then don't don't force it up. You know, it's just you know work on that in the yep. off season and continue to get better as a player. But you know, like like know your strong suit. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna break down the more analytical um, stat side of things. Um, obviously, Donovan Mitchell uh, has Ben Simmons uh, beaten in points. Um, by about three points per game, uh, a little over, I think it's 3.3. But other than that, uh, Ben Simmons has him beat in most other major major categories. I mean, he's got him beat in field goal percentage. He's got him beat in rebounds. He's got him beat in assists. Um, I believe he's got him him beat in steals. Uh, He's got him beat in blocks. Uh, He's... 
uh, one more turnover per game, so that's not that bad, especially considering as much as um, they rely on Ben Simmons to handle the ball and run the point. Um, so most other categories he's got him beat on. Now, obviously, Donovan Mitchell's got him beat uh, from three-point percentage, although if you, don't, <laughs> if you don't shoot any threes, you can't have a bad percentage, so there is that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but he's also he's obviously got him beat uh, with free throw percentage by a hefty, hefty margin. Um, but anyway, I mean, all that being said, I think that just speaks to how close this race is that, you know, we can all, you know, have somebody respective, uh, you know, um, you can make an argument for either one, so much so that Joel's mm-hmm. like, I ain't even fucking picking between them. Like, nah, you're not making me yeah. do it. Um, Why so bother? I, Give it to both of us. <laughs> hey, man, I, you know what? I'm getting on I'm getting on Joel's bandwagon. Fuck it. Give it to both of them. Like, <laughs> if, it, if you made me pick... If you made me pick, I'm gonna take Ben Simmons. But if if you know, it, it, I I do think they both deserve it. It's just it's right. it's so close. It's so close. Like I, they're both that good. But I, I, for the sake of not pissing off Jawan, I'll say uh, I'll say Ben Simmons. And to be different, <laughs> if y'all had both said Ben Thank Simmons, you. I probably would have gone Donovan Mitchell. Um, but uh, <laughs> but all right, let's move on. This one, to me, is by far the toughest one um, because I just don't know who to pick. Uh, Defensive player of the year. Always is. (laughs) Who you got for defensive player of the year? All right, I'm going to start off with these ones because I know for the next couple picks I'm not being a homer, so I just want to start that out right now. But I'm going with this one's really hard because there's not a lot of standouts this year as there's been in years in the past. No. I'm going – I'm going with Al Horford just because he moves so much defensively to the Celtics. Like, we're the number one – they're the number one defensive team. If you don't have him, we're not doing that well. He just runs our whole defensive unit. It's just – his numbers don't stand out, but if you don't have Al Horford out there for the Celtics, they're not the number one defensive break team. So, I just think that that reason why – I mean – Years in the past, you could probably say like Draymond, but Kevin Durant's a really good defender for that team. He's having a great defensive uh, year. And then Clay Thompson is also good. So it's just they're not. And then just there's no other really big standouts. So I just think Al Horford, what he means to the Celtics and them just being the best defensive ranked team, that he deserves it. Yeah. I mean, with no other standouts, I can certainly see that. that the biggest thing with Horford is he never – he never really has the stats. Like, like True. he, means, he plays so much better than what his stats say is what I mean by that. Like, he's so much more important to that team. He was the same way with the Hawks. He never quite has the stats to get the recognition that he deserves. Um, but he, he is so important. I will say this. One of the funniest Twitter feeds of anything I saw, like, all last year, I think it was. He was at the beginning of this year. Um, it was uh, – um, Marcus Smart, uh, you know, put up his apology um, for, you know, breaking his hand and, and everything. And, you know, this this uh, troll basically got on there and said something kind of snide or whatever. So Al Horford's sister mm-hmm. got on there, and uh, she, she, like, kind of quips back at him. And uh, he basically told her, he said something like, tell your, tell your brother to get more rebounds. And she blocked him, 
And his response to that was, well, she's got more blocks than her brother this year. <laughs> Which is fucking hilarious. Um, just to back up my point that he doesn't get a lot of stats. little anecdote. But, no, I like it. Um, I definitely think it's a homer pick, but it, it's not a um, – a, and I, the, the reason I mean that is because I bet you've watched probably more Celtics games than the rest of us. Um, I would go out on a limb to say so. Um, but although maybe not Juwan, the Celtics are like his new favorite team. There you uh, go. Yes, I mean, they I are. Mean, like game. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but, I, I, I love watching Kyrie, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, Juwan's kind of a player's, uh, he follows the players uh, probably closer than, than, um, than the rest of us as far as we, you know, all have our individual teams. Um, but anyway, uh, I like it. I, I definitely think it's a homer pick, but uh, I, but I do like it. Um, Juwan, who are you, who are you taking? Um, I just wanted to say, Luke, that was a really good pick. Um, I don't think it's going to be on a lot of people's uh, boards, and it should be. Um, but I, I think what a lot of uh, people would look at is Boston seems like a defensive unit. Um, to where it sometimes seems like they play great defense together, more so than just like individually one person's doing these huge, you know, stat-stuffing, you know, kind of stats. So I I think when they look at Al Horford, he's not a cog in the wheel. Um, He's just a very important piece, but the team collectively just plays great defense together. Um, But if I had to pick someone, because this is just like one of the years that just seems like, why even have this category for the awards this year? Um, I'm going to go Draymond, just because Draymond's always very important defensively uh, to that Warriors team. I know Durant comes out, and um, and he's having a great year for, for blocks and, and stuff like that, but Draymond does so much defensively. Um, so I think I'm going to go with Draymond. Yeah, no one can fault you. I mean, that's that's – I mean, Draymond's always good. Um, and Golden State I, has worked themselves back into the top ten as far as defense, uh, defensive ranking. Um, at least I think so. Um, actually, I could be wrong about that. Uh, I'll, let me check that real quick. But, uh, Joel, who do, you, who do you have right now? <sighs> That's a t- the toughest one, like you're saying. Um, last time I picked Paul George – um, cause I had no idea who to pick. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's a part of, <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, and, um, and right now there's a part of me that wants to choose KP because he was leading the, the league in block shots in the Knicks defense. It's completely terrible now that since he's been gone, it's been like absent. There's no such thing as defense on that team now, but, um, that's too easy. And they obviously because of the records and I mean, they weren't doing well with him as a good defender, so it didn't really matter. Um, I think I'm going to have to just stay with Paul George until further notice. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I can't blame you. The thing is, the, the the biggest problem with Paul George is because since Robertson went down, he's asked to do mm-hmm. so much more. So, like, right. he he's just he's not as effective because he's he's the only one now. So he doesn't have right. his his wingman to help him out in Robertson. Um and his his 
they're basically Oklahoma City's defense has struggled. They're, they've fallen down to number nine now. Um, they were number four, I believe, when we when we had our our conversation about this last. Um, right. So yeah, I mean it's 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 certainly tough. Um, but I don't I don't think that's an unfair pick. I've got two people who I've got my eye on. I, I Golden State. I feel like you could always give it to Draymond. I feel like Clay needs to get it at least one year. Um, and I feel like KD is even, you know, he was my pick last time. Um, just because, like you said, Joel, like, there's just not, there's not a clear-cut favorite. Um, but I got two who, who I'm going to throw out there. I really like Trevor Ariza. Um, Houston has the top ten defense. Um, he has been so good. I mean, he's so important to that team. He, he almost always guards um the uh, most significant wing player for the majority of the game. Now, granted, he's got P.J. Mm. Tucker and he's got Bamute to help him out, but he's usually the guy doing it for the for like the, the bulk of the game. Um, and they have a top ten defense. They they played really great. But my pick, my pick, is Joel Embiid. Um, Joel Embiid mm. is well. First of all, Philly is top five. They're number five in in team defense. Um, and and Joel Embiid is is like the whole reason why that team is good defensively at all. Um, he is so important as as to protecting the paint. When he has to switch, he is his like footwork and his speed and his strength. Like he has this perfect combination of height, length, uh, and foot speed to be able to alter, you know, these wings or these guard shots when he does have to switch. He's a, like, dynamite in the paint as far as protecting the rim. Um, and when he doesn't play, that team is terrible. Like, they are so bad defensively when he doesn't play. Like, and, and you know, I mean, he's obviously, he's finally back to kind of, like, even playing back-to-backs, um, or he's not really back. They finally have him playing back-to-backs. Um, but throughout the season, he's missed a handful of games, and like their defensive rating when he's not in is like bottom of the league. It's atrocious. So I, I think, given the fact that it's kind of wide open, I, I like Embiid this year. I really do. I think he means that much to that team, and his, his defensive prowess is just is is so so good. Um, I do want to before we move on. I do want to throw it back to you, uh, Luke. Um, I do want to give you a chance to talk about just real quickly uh, Jawan's comments as far as um, you know Boston being such a team-oriented defense and why you think Al Horford uh, is deserving of the award uh, given the the team-oriented defense. I mean, yeah, I mean we're very a team-oriented defense. I mean, and it's Brad Stevens just all the way, just showing that he's just a great coach. But I mean. You can look that at anyone. I mean, Golden State's definitely a team-oriented defense. It's not Draymond mm-hmm. doing it all. I mean, like we, like you guys said, you've stated, everyone stated there's at least three players on that team that could do it, defensive uh, players. So they're definitely de- like a team-oriented team. I just think if Al Horford, I mean, he's only sat five games, so it's not really known. But, I mean, Al Horford's not out there for the, uh, for us, for the Celtics. It's just we're, they're really bad. He does a lot. It's just, I mean, I don't think he – he cares about getting the stat lines. I mean, he is only uh, like .3 off of blocks of Draymond Green right now. So, I mean, he still averages a block a game. I just think 
he does just what he means for that team to defend that meaning. If he's not out there, that, that that's not running well. I mean, Mark Smart has something, but he comes in the second unit. Just Al Horford just has a lot. It's just his numbers do not show it, so it's just hard to really just give him a justified reason. Like, yeah, I, I understand clearly, but well, I just I, I think he, he he's got it. Yeah, no. All right, Jawan. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying I don't disagree with with you at all. Uh, <clears throat> what I was trying to say was because Al Horford is the kind of guy that just puts his head down and goes to work and isn't necessarily flashy. I think a lot of the voters kind of look at it like it's a team success rather than the fact. Because remember, these numbers Draymond is putting up. He was putting up when there was no KD. Um, as far as defensively, um, you know, when it was just him and Clay that were like your defensive anchors for that that starting unit. So, I mean, Draymond's more flashy. You know, Joel Embiid's more flashy. Al Horford's the kind of guy just puts his head down, goes to work. And because of that, I think is why he's overlooked. But I was, I was saying uh, at the beginning of that, I agree with you. I think he's a great pick for defensive player of the year. I just don't think he'll get the votes, unfortunately. No. Yeah. And I agree with you that, I mean, it's definitely a, you got to be flashy to get all these people who give out the awards, their attention to, I do understand completely what you're saying right there about Horford just as a, just a grinder. He just does, he just has, he does what he needs to do for his team and he doesn't complain. He just goes out there and does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually, I, I've, you know, I, I would have to like kind of delve into the stats on it, but I mean, I, I think I might even pick Horford over anybody on Golden State this year. And, and the part the, the thing that, it's crazy. Is I I haven't thought about him all year. Like I always think about the Celtics, and you know you always think about like perimeter defense because that's usually you know what what comes to mind when you're when you're thinking about defenders. You're thinking about who's guarding the wing. Um, so you don't really think about Horford, but like yeah, I mean super important player. Uh, all right, let's move on. Six men of the year. Um, I'm hoping we get some different answers with this one, but it, it could be a clean sweep. We'll see. Uh, Luke, who you got? Um, he already got snubbed one time this year for not being an all-star, and he cannot yep. get snubbed again for being six-man. It's just sweet Lou, Lou Williams. He just means so much for the Clippers. They don't really have a point guard. But, I mean, Patrick Beverly's been hurt. Um, I forget his international, so he just definitely runs that second unit. I mean, he's averaging as a six-man over 20 points a game. That's off the bench. That's crazy. And the closest person to him is just nowhere close for just a six point. I think Clarkson's in second, and he's at like 16 points. So it's Lou Williams. He means a lot for the Clippers. They're kind of still battling for the playoffs, but I just think what he means for the Clippers is just so much for that second unit and just their success. Yeah, uh, it's gonna it, it, it's gonna be tough to to pick somebody over him, um, but Jawan. Mr. Hot Take, do you have somebody up your sleeve to pick over Sweet Lou Williams? No, I'm sorry. Uh, I just love <laughs> Lou Williams so much. Um, Lou Williams to me is like Jamal Crawford to me. I just I love I love to watch them play, and I feel as though they never really get their true recognition. So since we snubbed Lou Williams, not us is on the show, but just you know the NBA world uh, snubbed Lou Williams on an All Star vote. He definitely has to get some kind of recognition. So, sixth man of the year is, is definitely something fitting for him. Yeah, for sure. Joel. All right. Here, all right, listen. 
And it, it it's Lou Williams. <laughs> it has to be Lou Williams. It's Sweet Lou all the way, all day. He should have been an all-star. I was disappointed when he didn't, he didn't even get that, and he definitely deserved it. Um, he could do it. Obviously, he doesn't have to be on the bench to put up the numbers he's doing. He's proven that as well. But the fact that he could still do it coming off the bench means a lot. And so, yeah, he definitely is and has been, I think, before the Sixth Man of the Year, so he definitely deserves it again. Sixth Man of the Year, Lou Williams. Yeah, um, and the crazy thing is, too, I think it's like we're we're sitting here talking about how, you know, he, he's scoring 20 off the bench, which is remarkable. Um, uh, unquestionably, that's remarkable. Um, but the fact that, you know, when they needed him to, they could just plug him right into the starting lineup and he could still – he go, would go out and drop 50. Like, it, that's what blows my mind. Like, a lot of times these, these six-man guys, like, they get accustomed to playing at a certain level, um, you know, against, against you know, backups. You know, they're, they're used to playing against, you know, not the star players of the league, um, at least not for so many minutes. And with Lou Williams, it just doesn't matter. Like, it's like – uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start you for like the next six weeks because you know half of our roster is hurt, um, and you know we 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 don't want to start Sundarius Thornwell um, yet anyway. Um, so we we need you to start, and he does, and and he still you know keeps up the same production and just does it with even more effectiveness, and it's just. It's totally crazy. As much as I love Will Barton, and I think he means so, so much to Denver, um, there's not even, like, there's not even close to an argument that could be made for him or anybody else over Lou Williams. So that one, we did get a clean sweep, at least one, um, out of out of these categories. Um, all right, moving on. Most improved player, Luke. All right, so this one is another one where I just feel like there's just no clear cut. There's no one coming off a major injury that just had a great – it's having a great fall year. There's not a Giannis type of year where you just double your thing. So I have it between two people right now. I had it right in my mind between Aaron Gordon just because he's, he's done really well, but he's kind of sat out some game and Magic are just terrible. Just terrible. And so, I mean, he can just do whatever he wants on that terrible team. So, in the end, I went with Jalen Brown just because the Celtics mm. are in second. He's having to do way more than he's ever had to do. He's only his second year, so it's not like he's played in this league for a while. He's stepped up. He's, he's increased all of his categories. He's second in the uh, team uh, scoring for the Celtics. He's the reason, you know, I mean, Hayward goes down. He has to do a lot. He does a lot defensively. I just, he means a lot. So I think most improved is definitely Jalen Brown in my mind. That's funny. Um, I heard Jawan go, hmm, like, I didn't even think I could pick a Celtic there. I think he might pick a Celtic <laughs> there now. Um, Joel, uh, just because I know you're not going to pick a Celtic, and you're with me on this one. Victor Oladipo, come on, right? I didn't think of Jalen Brown. That's a good. That's a good choice. It is a good pick. But he's not. Yeah. It's a great pick. I didn't think of that. Not. I did not think of that. But that, that's a good. That's a very good pick, actually. Um, but not over Victor Oladipo. I mean, I don't think anybody expected Oladipo to be uh, the Oladipo we got this year. 
the all-star leading the Pacers into the playoffs, um, Oladipo. Um, I'm completely shocked at how good he's been this year. I, I always liked him. I always thought he was decent. Um, but after his year last year with Oklahoma City, I don't know if everyone just kind of like fell off and thought, no, I guess this is what he is. Um, he's just an average player at best. The dude became an all-star this year and is working his ass off. Um, I think he like leads the league in the uh, steals or some shit. I, I, I forget. But the, the dude, the dude's doing it this year. He's definitely deserving of uh, most improved player, at least in my opinion. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Nick. Yeah, I do like that Aaron Gordon pick too, though. Um, I will say that. Like, I know that was yeah. your runner-up, but like, that's a good one. Like, because he has been so much better. Um, I kind of wonder too. Is that is that a contract year uh, season, or is is has he taken that next step? Because um, like we all thought last year, like man, Deion Waiters just took that next step. Not so fast, dude. He did not. He played in contract <laughs> year. Um, so you got to watch out for those contract years. Um, but uh, but Jawan, uh, who you got for uh, most improved player? Um, I have, and it wasn't going to change for a Celtic player. Uh, I had Victor Oladipo. Um, it's just glaring how much he has had to uh, improve between trying to be a second fiddle to Russ to now being the guy. Well, if you ask Lance, Lance would probably say he's the guy. But transforming himself <laughs> to being the guy over in Indiana, mm-hmm. um, I Good think boy. it's just glaring. I will say, though, Luke, again, man, because I love me some Celtics, you did have me like, uh, yeah, that is true, man. Like, people forget Gordon Hayward went down, uh, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum just completely transformed themselves into the next level kind of, uh, you know, kind of production this season. Um, but I mm-hmm. think Victor's is more so from a standpoint of leadership. Um, like, Jalen Brown has stepped up tremendously. Um, but Victor has to do it as a leader. So I think that warrants more. And, you know, the record that they have, you could say, is kind of spearheaded uh, by Victor Oladipo. Like, I don't think many people Mm -hmm. outside of Nick and Lance Stevenson thought that the Pacers would be as good as they are. So uh, (laughs) I definitely have to give all the credit in the world to Victor Oladipo. And I I do think he deserves it. But, Luke, you're on to something with uh, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, yeah. Yeah, um... I, I like that we I'm glad I'm glad that you had somebody different, Luke, because I feel I think the last time we did the show we just all picked Victor Oladipo and it was kinda of boring. Um so the fact that we got to be able to talk about the two two other different people who are pretty deserving um is good. Uh I think I, I agree with first of all, y'all know I think it's Victor Oladipo. But I got another person that I'm gonna throw out there and I think I might have thrown him out there last time. As like a dark horse or runner up or something. Steven Adams, man, Steven Adams has just improved every facet of his game this year. Um, like, he's he's shooting better. He's got a little more range. His little, like, floater in the paint off the pick and roll is so clutch. Um, he's getting more rebounds. He's getting more blocks. Like, the dude is just a beast, a force to be reckoned with. And the fact that he's putting up better numbers, than he did last year, like better overall numbers, not not across the board, but overall numbers, um, despite the fact that they picked up Paul George and they picked up Carmelo Anthony. So you would think that his offensive output would drastically reduce, and it hasn't. 
is amazing. The guy is crazy. He is their third best player. No offense to Melo. No offense uh, to Jawan. Um, Joe, I know you, you, you don't take any off it. Um, but, like, Steven, Steven Adams is definitely their third best player on that team. Like, he is he's phenomenal, and he's made such great strides this year. Um, so I, I will, do want to give him some love. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I will say I completely agree with you. There's nights I watch the, uh, the Thunder, and I think he's their second best player uh, because of how important he is to that team and how much he's, he's completely stepped up. Uh, into a more uh, dominant offensive role because uh, he's always yeah. been really good defensively, but offensively yeah. he stepped up. Um, and what's crazy is they still don't find enough ways to get him the ball down low, which is just – I'll get into that later when I completely destroy OKC, but I, I agree with <laughs> you. He definitely should be um, should be mentioned along with Jalen Brown and, uh, and Victor Oladipo. Indeed. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, I got a feeling where you're going to go on this one, Luke, but uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Year, who you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're probably dead right. I mean, I hate to say it, it's, it's Brad Stevens. I mean, I know I've been going with a lot of Celtics here, but you no. just got to look at it. I mean, if there was a person that could get MVP for a team that's a coach, it'd be Brad Stevens this year. I mean, <laughs> what he means to that team. He had to rewrite a whole system. He only got four remaining, four players from his last year's team. That was number one. He only got four of them to come back. So he had to rewrite a whole system. He loses one of his best players this year. He's relying on first year and second year players to do a lot more. They've all fit. They've all just bought into the system. They're playing amazing team defense. I mean, I don't think anyone can write up. I mean, Brad Stevens off the two-minute timeout drills. He can drop some of the, the nicest plays ever. It's just Brad Stevens means so much for that team. I, he just, he's an MVP in my mind. So he's, I, I think he's just the coach of the year for me. I mean, they're in second right now. So. Yeah, and they've been in first through, throughout the you know bulk of the season. Um, I, think, I feel like this is the one where you're not going to get a whole lot of pushback. But let's, let's throw it around and see if anybody else has – as somebody different. Uh, Juwan, who you got for Coach of the Year? I will say this, Luke. Again, I feel like I say this way too much so far. Um, I completely agree with you. He originally was my pick until um, I really looked at it. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. He, he's definitely in the conversation. That's without a shadow of a doubt. I even think it's only a two-man race, to be honest. No, a three-man race, I'm sorry, uh, to be honest with you. But I think I have to give it to somebody I don't think we give a lot of credit to. And that's Dwayne Casey. Um, I think if you look at Toronto. Toronto's just saying that because he hates Toronto. And he's like, how the hell can any coach make a first-place team out of this bullshit roster? Listen, listen. Listen, just so people are and we don't get the wrong idea. I do not hate the Raptors. I just vehemently demise Kyle Lowry. Uh, that is that is my only issue with anything coming from the six. Um, <laughs> but no, all jokes aside, this this is a Raptors team that if someone said beginning of the season they'd be number one in the East in March, a lot of people would kind of laugh at. They would think Cleveland would be number one, Boston would be number two, or vice versa. Um, I think he's been doing an amazing job with this team, and 
he's getting that second unit to really play some great basketball. He's getting the team to come together so it doesn't have to heavily rely on Kyle Lowry, who won't show up, and um, DeMar DeRozan to, to put up, you know, crazy numbers every night. But I think Dwayne Casey's done a really amazing job with the team this year, and their record shows that he should definitely at least be in the conversation. Yeah, uh, and also just like how how can how can a how can a team in the East be number one when they have a trash starting point guard? I mean that has to be coaching, right? Like it just it, it's right. it's the only explanation. Demar Derozan is the MVP. The other and... two point guards on the roster. <laughs> well, listen, listen. They they play in they play in the six, and Drake has a song called God's Plan. That that's what I play every time I see Kyle Lowry because I'm just like. God has to have a plan for this team. Like, he's just so mediocre to me. And the fact that they're still able to be so so good with a trash guy like that is just it's, – it's unbelievable. So, yeah, Dwayne Casey definitely deserves a coach of the year. Oh, uh, I love it. I love the pettiness. Uh, Joel, um, who you got for coach of the year? Uh, I like I like the choice for, uh, for Dwayne Casey. But I think I'm sticking with uh, – Nah, I forgot his name. <laughs> Steven. Uh, yeah, Steven. <laughs> I lost it. I was like, wait, who was it? Brad Steven. <laughs> the white guy. Um, the white guy. Uh, but I do, I do, uh, I do like the choice of doing uh, Casey a lot. But I, I think I have to stick with Brad Stevens. And the main reason I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with him is because I think a lot of um, that team is is that team isn't that team without Brad Stevens. I mean, without a doubt, this team was really good last year and is really good this year. And there's almost a completely different team this year than there was last year. Um, there's been players that have left the Celtics and have not been the same players that they were when they were on the Celtics. I mean, yeah. it's just he's a big part of that because he uses them a certain way where they excel. Um, not that different from how Popovich does his like takes random players and makes them decent. <laughs> like, and, and they're like, Oh wow. You could do something. And then they go somewhere else and they're like, what the fuck happened? And that's basically what happened. Um, he could turn something. I mean, nothing into something. Uh, he can make Kyrie who was an all-star into a superstar and take two kids and turn them into useful, valuable pieces, not to take anything away from them individually, because they're obviously talented, but he utilizes their talent the right way. And so I don't want to take away from that. And I think that's the reason I have to give Brad Stevens uh, the, the coach of the year at the moment, because it's just this dude knows how to turn – he, he can turn it up with the, with the right – almost with like no matter what. He can, just, he can make nothing into something. Even – it's just it's hard to really explain. But that, that's, that's where I'm kind of coming from. That's why I think he's got, I got to give it to him. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm i reading you loud and clear, man. Like, I think a great point that you made is you look at the guys who played on that team last year who have gone to other places. We're starting to see Isaiah Thomas kind of pull it together, and he's had his injury, um, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and we're starting to see Jay Crowder kind of make, you know, play a little better for this Jazz team. Um, Avery Bradley just never could get it together, though. Um, and now he's hurt and maybe out for the rest of the season. Um, But, like, it's undeniable that any of those guys 
you know, aren't performing at the level that they were for the Celtics. Um, and I think a lot of that. Evan Turner. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, dude. Evan Turner. <laughs> like that is, you know, like, when you think about, like, the worst contracts in the NBA, obviously you think Luau Bang, you think Joe Kim Noah. That's probably, like, the first two people you think of. Maybe Timothy Mozgov. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Evan Oof, Turner yeah. gets enough credit or lack thereof for being one of the worst contracts in the NBA because that <laughs> dude is fucking terrible. He can't shoot. Like, he's an okay defender, but he's, like, short, so, like, ideally you'd want to play him at the three, but he's, like, six foot four. He doesn't really have the reach. He, he, they try to play him at point guard, and he can't do that. And they were like, fuck it, just let Shabazz Napier play. Like, this guy, like, Evan Turner can't do fucking anything. Like, yeah, he, he's bad. He's bad, man. Um, for, for that amount of money, I should say. Let me let me qualify that because right. he's not just like – I don't think he's yeah. bad. <laughs> he's yeah, I don't think he's bad. Or good. But he's not $17 million good. He's like Kemp Bazemore. No. He and Kemp Bazemore in that same, like, they, they're not – Right. They're not not NBA players. They're just not worth seventeen right. to eighteen million dollars a fucking year. Um, I got you. The Celtics were really smart to be like, yeah, nah, you go ahead there, Evan. Like, we're, we're good. Um, but anyway, back to the topic at hand. Um, I I'm gonna go David Fisdale um, because. The Grizzlies now have the worst fucking record in the league, and they were still, like, hovering around 20 or something when he was there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I do think <laughs> I do, I, I still think David Fisdale, it was bullshit for them to fire him. Um, this is a coin flip for me, guys, because I think, like you said, um, Luke, Joel, new roster for Brad Stevens. He's got to work all these players in. Gordon Hayward goes down. He's got to plug in play players that, you know, more minutes than he thought he was going to have to rewrite your schemes. Uh, with Dwayne Casey, he came in to this season and was like, we're completely scrapping everything we've been doing for the past four or five years, however long he's been there. And he said, we're going to have a completely different system. Like, look at the way the Warriors play basketball. It's not just about who they have on their team. It's about how they play. And we're going to do that. It took a little time for the team to completely buy in. Um, But once they did, it's great. And the way, Juan, you made a great point, the way he coaches up that bench, they have probably the best bench in the NBA. Like, I don't think there's another team out there who has a better bench, and they're all young. Like, none of them, I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking Fred Van Vliet, uh, DeLon Wright, uh, Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, um, uh, Yaka Portal, like, all of these guys. Siakam. Uh, Siakam, uh, yeah. Siakam, however you pronounce his name. Siakam, yeah, that's it, Siakam. Um, all of those guys are young. They're all on rookie contracts. Um, I think Norman Powell just got an extension, but he's still technically on, on his rookie year deal. Um, mm-hmm. uh, or rookie He's on third year of his rookie <laughs> contract. Um, so everything, like, you have a great bench who's all young. Like, that is remarkable. That is, that is crazy how good they are versus how young they are. Um, and, like, to be able to um, throw Ananobi in for, you know, 20 – to 25 minutes a game and have him have that kind of impact. Um, and two, 
their roster had a fair amount of changeover too because they lost Corey Joseph. They had to work in C.J. Miles. Um, mm. They uh, they lost Amari Carroll. Um, so obviously not as much as Boston, um, but they had some pieces move around. They had to change their whole system. Um, all this being said, I agree with Juwan. I'm right now. You ask me right now. I'm going to go with Dwayne Casey. Um, and, and the main reason being is because since the last time we had it, I was pretty much on Brad Stevens. I did say Popovich because the Spurs were at three and they hadn't had Kawhi all year. And that's super impressive. Mm-hmm. The Spurs are now down to six, and they're they're looking iffy. But they're, um, yeah, they're I mean the, the West is scary wow. down there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, exactly. With, with yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean I I think you got to give some props to Casey here. Um, I don't think I like Juwan said it's a two horse race. I think he could go either way. Um, but as of now, I like. Yeah, and because I'm judicious like that, um, this might be the only year that Dwayne Casey ever, you know, gets a shot at Coach of the Year. Brad Stevens is going to have a whole lot more chances. Absolutely. Especially if he's making decisions like making decisions like signing Kyle Lowry on, you know. He won't <laughs> get many more shots at this. Yeah, like why would you sign Kyle Lowry? You got Fred Van Vliet, dude. Like, Makes no sense. You got you even got Drake sitting over there too. I'd rather have him. Yeah, just make smarter decisions, Dwayne Casey. Uh okay. Moving on. General manager of the year. Uh I'm gonna go out on a limb and again say I've got a pretty good idea who you're gonna pick, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean this one it came down to three people, uh uh, there's two standouts at the beginning, but there's one that kind of after this trade deadline did a lot. I mean, you got Houston, Dale Morey, who's just that team. I mean, what he's been able to do, construct it with just not a lot of salary cap because following all that. Um, and then I really like uh, Cavs. I mean, first year GM2. I mean, Kobe Altman, uh, he just had to do a lot. I mean, it's hard to come to a team. Uh, first year, you know, especially with LeBron, and then just completely flip the script and everything. I mean, yeah, so I thought that was a big deal. But, I mean, you guys obviously knew where I was going from this from the beginning. And <laughs> that's, that's Danny Ainge. I mean, gosh, look what he's done this year. I mean, he flipped the whole script, traded everyone before players. He uh, freaking robbed the draft completely, traded out the first pick, which – Thought was crazy at the beginning, but love it in the end. I mean, got third. Now we Celtics could have this year um, either two through five, which I don't think it's going to convey. I wanted to just because the Lakers have a very tough schedule, but I just don't think with all these bad teams trying to tank, it's going to happen. So could have a top top five pick next year with Sacramento. So he did it again with the crazy trade right there. Goes outside Gordon Hayward. I mean, just does a lot of things. Does the Avery Bradley deal to make money, get smart to smart. Just, he's done so much GM moves, and it's just still did not hurt the Celtics. I mean, you look, if any other team would do something like that, that drastic, and was a first-place team last year, and they're only two games back of being it again this year with just a whole completely te- different team, I just think it just stands for itself. There's been a lot of years where I've just wanted, I've hated Danny for not doing anything, and I love him just because he's done everything, and just 
put the Celtics in great position for now and the future. Yeah. Um, and, like, just in a nutshell, like, getting Kyrie essentially for the Brooklyn pick. Like, I mean, that's pretty much that's what you got Kyrie for. Uh, because, uh, you know, I mean, losing Jay Crowder, sure. I mean, losing Isaiah Thomas, okay. Yeah, you lost Ante Zizic. Um, but none of those players matter. Uh, they certainly don't really matter to Cleveland, who traded away two of the three of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, essentially, you, you didn't want to have to face the question of re-signing Isaiah Thomas. You didn't really have room for Jay Crowder on your roster. Um, and Ante Zizic, while I think he could be a very serviceable center, maybe even a, you know, bottom uh, of the uh, league starting quality center, so like 25 to 30 range at some point in time, um, I, you're definitely not losing a future star there. Um, so, yeah, you gave up the Brooklyn pick, you get Kyrie, and then you replenish the Brooklyn pick by getting the guy that you wanted in the first place and Jason Tatum uh, by, you know, basically swindling Jerry Colangelo because he's a fucking idiot. Uh, bring back Sam Hinkie. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I will die on that hill. I will die on that hill. Um, But, uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Like, I like like the Daryl Morey pick because of what he was able to achieve. Um, I don't – I'm not even giving any sort of credence to Kobe Altman because all you did by all your trade deadline moves is try to make up for your preseason blunder. So I'm not giving you any fucking credit for that. (laughs) Um, I'm just not like I'm just being honest. Like you, you brought you dug yourself out of the grave that you had dug, but you still like you, you still ain't you know on the mountaintop. So don't act like you are. Um, but I, I do like Darryl, what Daryl Morey was able to accomplish. But again, I said it before and I'll say it again. I still think Chris Paul had way more to do with the inner workings of that deal and getting all that shit figured out than Daryl Morey did. I think Chris Paul called up Daryl Morey or called up James Harden, as it were, and said, yo, tell your boy Daryl, like, I'm coming. Like, get some shit worked out. I'm going to work shit out on my end, and we're going to make this happen. Um, so I don't, think, I don't think you can give as much credit to Daryl Morey for getting Chris Paul, even though it was, you know, the right move and a great move and all that, um, when Brad Stevens – or, I'm sorry, not Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, like, A, did so many more moves and instigated them all. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely got to go Danny Ainge. Jawan. Danny Ainge. Um, pretty simple, uh, super simple. Uh, and and the, the way, and I know Joel probably still disagrees with me, but he definitely, um, has definitely lost that trade. And it now seems more so like highway robbery. Um, they lost the Brooklyn pick but you're Boston and you have at least 80,000 more draft picks in the tuck. So that didn't matter. You lost Straight Crowder, who still hasn't really been able to find his identity. And Isaiah Thomas, who is surging on a Lakers team who won't make the playoffs. So it's kind of just empty calories. Um, so if you're Boston, you sign Gordon Hayward in the offseason, which is a good pickup, and then swindle the Cavs out of Kyrie. So it's just one of those things where it's just like Danny Ainge, always finds a way to come out on top. 
I honestly think uh, I used to think um, what's his name Pat Riley was like the Godfather Mafia type of the NBA. I'm starting to want to give that to Danny Ainge. Um, I just feel like that the way he orchestrates everything is just so beautiful. Uh, but yeah, Danny Ainge. In order for him to uh, him to get Gordon Hayward and then him to get Kyrie, definitely think it has to go to him. Yeah, uh, Joel. Yeah, I totally dis- still disagree with you, but it's okay. It's whatever. <laughs> but yeah, Danny Ainge uh, is still my choice for uh, GM of the year. And I, it's not really much I could take because you guys pretty much in the suck his dick enough. So. <laughs> like, that's enough of that. Uh, <laughs> um, he, he guys nailed it. Like, there's not much. This guy is the the way you want your GMs in the league to work, at least the smart ones, this man does it. And the man the, the, this guy can get not just players but picks and do it at the same time. There's not a lot of teams that can set you up for the future and help you uh, work towards the present all at the same time. This is not a thing that happens like this. And he has proven it year after year, even when you thought they were, they were just going to go into tank mode. Tank mode barely lasted a, like a, a two years, if that. And they didn't tank. You know, they, they, still, they stood with it. Um, so you got to give them all the credit in the world uh, for, or, or him all the credit in the world for like putting together the team that he put together. And like business is business. He trades you if he has to trade you. He has to do what he's got to do for the benefit of the Celtics. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I, I two other things I want to point out um, just real quick as to why I think we're just universally picking Danny Ainge for this award. Um, one, he probably single-handedly changed the way that NBA looks at draft picks. Um, because at the time that he made that Brooklyn trade, there wasn't a lot of brouhaha about that being a terrible trade for Brooklyn. It wasn't until a couple well, years so. later. <laughs> no, there wasn't. Like there were. I know. Like, I'm just saying. Was, I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah not but not like, everyone else. Me. Yeah, I, I feel you. Um, but like, but like, see, there's people like you and me who have always kind of valued draft picks uh, on a level to which I feel like the rest of the NBA has caught up like they value them more now than they did at the time. Right. And like at the time, like with that trade, not only was Brooklyn improving their roster, but they were also moving a lot of dead cap that they weren't using. Mm. So it was like, we're getting, we're getting all-star players. We're moving dead cap, giving up essentially four first round picks. Like that's just the asking price. That's what you have to do to make that kind of deal. And like nowadays you just don't see those kind of deals. Like, um, they just they won't happen anymore, and it's because of Danny Ainge, and it's because he was able to pull that off. Um, and secondly, um, the uh, moving Isaiah Thomas, um, his value in essence, and I alluded to this earlier, but his value in essence was essentially an expiring contract um, because that's why the Lakers traded for him. They wouldn't have traded for him had he had you know, three more years on his deal. They traded for him because he's an expiring contract. And that was pretty much all of his value for, for the rest of, you know, this, this season. So, um, and also I do want to throw out Sean Marks. I I like what he's doing. It's definitely not GM of the year, but um, he's doing, he's making some good moves in Brooklyn. I think that Damari Carroll trade was brilliant. 
um, getting a draft pick for and acquiring Damari Carroll just so Toronto could, could move cap space. Um, very, very, uh, very awesome trade. Um, but let's move on, fellas. We got a lot to talk about as far as the Western Conference. Who? The Western Conference is crazy right now. You have Portland, who is in third. You have Utah, who is in tenth. And they are separated by a total of, of what is it, four and a half games? Am I correct there? Probably. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Four and a half games. Um, and you pretty much just have madness going on out west. I mean, there is any team that goes on a losing streak could potentially fall out of the playoffs. You got Minnesota, mm-hmm. who, like, just lost Jimmy Butler, and they're probably shaking mm-hmm. in their boots because, I mean, what, are they on, like, a 10-year playoff drought? And so, you yeah. know, they, they look like a lock before that happens. And now you have, you know, two teams surging in the Blazers, and you also have the Pelicans, both mm-hmm. nine and one over mm-hmm. their last ten games. It's crazy. Like, I don't think anyone saw this coming as far as like midway through the season. Um, the Spurs are also three and seven over their last ten. Granted, they do apparently have Kawhi Leonard coming back, but that also presents the challenge of working in a guy who hasn't played hardly all season. Um, so I think if there's any team that can do it, it's the Spurs because they're such a such a um, uh, a, a, like a team first kind of mentality in the way that they play, and the, um, that's the reason why they can be successful without a Kawhi Leonard. So I think they will be able to work him back in. Fair enough. You got Oklahoma City, who six and four over their last ten, but it's almost like they've played even worse than that. The Robertson injury really seems to hurt them. And then you got the eighth seed, which is you know Denver, the Clippers, and Utah all fighting in. So, like, a lot of crazy shit going on out west. So I just want to throw it around to everybody to have a kind of open discussion. What is the craziest thing going on out west to you right now? We'll start with you, Juwan. Uh, It's definitely OKC. Um, This is a team I boldly said, um, yeah. Yeah, they're crazy. That's true. (laughs) They're 37 and 29 in the seventh spot, and that could easily change. From like three other teams, um, yeah, OKC, and it's it's a blunder. I have no idea um, why their coach uh, is deciding to to play the team like like they are. I, I watched the game last night against the Rockets. The way the Rockets work Chris Paul and Harden is the way I have been preaching for OKC to work that team. Um, there should never be a time where one of your big three is not on the floor, or at least two, if you, if you want to count Steven Adams as, as a surging, uh, you know, um, force for, for that right. team, at least two of that four should, should always be on the floor. And for some reason, that game against Houston, majority of that game, he had the three of them sitting all at the same time, knowing that his bench is not dependable. Um, OKC, to me, I, I have lost all faith in this team. Um, if they stay at seven uh, and end up having to play Golden State, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, what they were doing against Golden State in the regular season, yeah, that's all nice and cool. That last game told me exactly what I needed to know about what would happen if they played in the playoffs. 
which is State will go into a completely different mode, and they may sweep this team. Uh, the team plays like there's no sense of urgency. You have a coach who seems like he does not grasp how to coach these, these players. And one of the biggest things that I, I said that they should have done a while ago and they still haven't uh, done, Mello has to come off the bench. They really have nothing on that bench that is helping that team offensively. They seem offensively challenged. Um, and it's starting to look more and more like uh, it's rust or, or nothing. And that's really hard to comprehend when you have two other stars on your team, like Melo and Paul George. Uh, this team is, is dwindling very fast. Uh, at this rate, they might not even make the playoffs uh, at the rate that they're playing. Um, but what I've seen from OKC is you have a Paul George who looks like his mind is in free agency, a Melo who just refuses to play defense, and Russ who's just trying to get 40, 10, and 10 every night. So pretty much all I have to say for OKC is this team will be out in the first round if they keep flirting with this seven or eight seed. Um, And it'll be Russ and a bunch of role players next year, hopefully with a different coach because Paul George won't be back to this. Yeah. Wow. Um, I I personally, I just think, uh, well, I just think, I think Robertson is the key, man. I feel like he's just missed so much on this team. I mentioned it earlier, like just the way that he anchored them defensively is just, it's so obviously not there anymore. And you're asking Paul George to do more and still try to, you know, figure, figure out his game offensively and and contribute as much offensively. And it's just, it's not working. Um, I, I am optimistic that I do think they'll at least be in the top six. Um, they have Minnesota in front of them, and Minnesota without Jimmy Butler is not better than San Antonio. Even, uh, yeah, in San Antonio, obviously they have Kawhi coming back, but, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and the Pelicans, the Pelicans have been great, but I mean, the the Pelicans could easily, you know, lose, you know, three out of their next five, and and you know, it. it you know, it could certainly happen. Um, Portland is the one team that I feel pretty solid about is going to stick up around the top three or four. Um, I think I, I definitely feel like Portland is going to have home court advantage. I'm not sure about who that fourth team is going to be. Um, so I am optimistic in that sense. But yeah, I mean, it, if they have to if they have to play Golden State in the first round, it's it's donezo. And at this point in time, like. I don't look at them as a contender anymore since the Robertson injury. Um, but anyway, uh, let me throw it over um, to you, Joel. What kind of sticks out in your mind the biggest with all of this Western Conference picture? I think the craziest thing for me was uh, New Orleans. Like, I did not expect them to go on a nine-game winning streak without <laughs> Boogie. You know what I mean? Like, this is insane. Like, Look, it. I liked New Orleans. I like well. I liked Boogie and Anthony Davis together. I thought it was it was possible that it would work out. I thought they could play together. It proved that they could, but I never thought that they would be a playoff team because they didn't have really anything around them. Maybe aside from Drew Holiday. Um, but little by little, things started working out. The team started playing well. They obviously started playing well together. And they made the, they were in the playoff hunt, and then Boogie goes down, and you're like, well, fuck, because you know they were doing so well. I really, I think we all liked them at that point, 
Um, yeah. And then we're like, well, there goes that. You know, they're not going to make the playoffs now. Screw that. Um, and then they go on this giant fucking winning streak. And Anthony Davis is definitely not – I'm not going to say he's the um, MVP, but the man deserves to be in, the, in in talks for it, even if he's not the MVP. He's definitely moved his name up into the top top five, top three, if you want to ask. The man is balling, balling like nobody's business. And it's like he's put his name on notice. He is one of the best players in this league, and he's carrying this team. And I got to give credit to Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo, Rajon Rondo uh, for helping him out. And um, I, I'm just completely shocked at how well they've been playing. Can they keep it up? You're right. They can go on this three-game losing streak and lose all confidence, and there goes that. But we don't know. I'm just so surprised at has how well they've done since we went down. So I'm just that's more shocking than anything else they've seen so far in the West. Yeah, I mean they they have been dynamite, and like it's crazy because that Miritich trade when they did that, I was like, I don't know if that's the right idea, guys. Like clearly that was the right move, like acquiring well, Miritich. Well, um, well <laughs> yeah, it's worked. It's worked great thus far. Um, and and yeah. honestly, like the Bulls are probably sitting there now, like, yeah, we got a first round pick, but man, we thought this first round pick was going to be a little better, and we're stuck with Omer yeah. Sheik for next year. And like, they brought back um, Ameka Okafor from like the the Graves. Like, where the fuck did he yeah. come from? <laughs> yeah, starting center. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's true, dude. Like. Uh, nobody saw that coming, and he – I don't think he's been posting up any kind of crazy numbers, but he's been filling the no, hole. Um, and, and, you know, obviously it's been working. Um, you know, obviously they, they wanted a guy who they could plug in and play for like 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes a game so that, you know, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis didn't have to give them all of their all of his minutes at center. Um, and it's worked out. Right. Like he's been right. the right guy. Yeah. So – yeah, dude, so that's far. crazy. Like New Orleans, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, Luke, what is your biggest story uh, of of this Western Conference uh, playoff picture? Um, I'm kind of gonna feed off of what Joel's saying. Is mine was two teams that are just very surprising: and Portland Trailblazers and New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, who would have ever thought? I mean, you're talking they're in third and fourth right now, beginning of the season, or even. At, before All-Star break, at halfway, those two teams, I mean, you you think Spurs, Minnesota has excuse with uh, Butler going down, but OKC should be up there. So there's just a lot of teams mm-hmm. that should be up. I mean, Portland's good, but it's only really Willard and C.J. McCollin. I mean, other than that, they don't have a deep bench. It's, so it's just – and then New Orleans are just crazy. So I just think it's just those two teams right now that possibly have ho- – home court advantage in the playoffs is just crazy to think that that's just that's happening right now. I don't think New Orleans will be able to like hold it out. I think Spurs might be able to jump in and OKC is going to hopefully figure things out. I definitely agree with you, uh, Juwan, that I think this might be the last year for Billy Donovan if the whole team stays together. He's just – he's not one that failed uh, – transition from college to pros. I don't think he could get the 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 mindset of a lot of pros and the egos down. I think um, a good coach maybe for them would be Fisdale. I know a lot of players really like Dan mm-hmm. Fisdale, so I think he still has a, a job out there. Um, Mark Jackson, too, but I, uh, I think he might go to 
to to to go to New York. I think he might go to New York because I think he just got he's got the New York mindset. So I think Fisdale might be there if if that whole team stays together and he could definitely figure out those egos. It's just Robertson hurts them big time. So that's why I was flipping. But it's just man, Portland Trailblazers and New Orleans Pelicans are the third and fourth team and might be hosting a home playoff game. Would have never thought that this year in the West. Insane. Yeah, yeah, definitely, like, real out there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, and they both they both owe it to their stars. I mean, Damian Lillard, they looked like they were going to lose that game against the Lakers, and Lillard was just like, nah. Like, he made, like, Lillard. three in a row. Uh, yeah, dude. Like, what is, and, what and, is and the contract, Davis, too. <laughs> uh, he's he's the got logo. three years left. He's, he's got oh, three years God. left on his deal. Yeah. So, like, Portland is sitting, Money. like, they are they are loving it right now. Um, so uh, so yeah, um, that's that's why I said if you're going to trade that Brooklyn pick, if you're them, you you better be aiming for someone like Damian Lillard because that's that's the guy Send that you need. Cleveland. <laughs> hey man, I'm just saying like that was who they should be. That was who they needed to be aiming for. Somebody of that caliber, and he's proving me right. Um, because Kimba's good. Kimba's not that good. Um, but anyway. Um, I just I got a quick question before we move to the East. Uh, I'm gonna so I'm gonna kick this around. I'm gonna start with you, Juwan. Uh, which two teams out of this out of this list of eight teams we got? We got the Blazers, Pelicans, Spurs, Timberwolves, Thunder, Nuggets, Clippers, and Jazz. Which two teams do not make the playoffs in the West? Uh, Clippers aren't gonna make it, and. I'm going to go on a limb and say Denver won't make it because I want Utah in there desperately. Um, I'm going to go to Denver and the Clippers. (laughs) Okay. I I like it. Um, Joel? I'm going to have to echo those choices because I want Utah in the playoffs too. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. I I do think Utah Utah playing – I'm hoping Golden – if Utah makes it in the AC, I'm hoping Golden State gets to the one because I think that would be – a really fun series. I mean, mm, obviously, I don't think anyone yeah. think Utah would win, but I think Utah would play a couple yeah. of close games and might even steal one of them. Um, I think it would be a fun, fun. a fun. It would be fun for a one-eight game, you know. Like usually, one-eight series right. are, are terrible, and so I think that would actually make make a decent one-eight series. Uh, Luke, who you got? The two teams missing the playoffs. Um, I'm going to be slightly different, even though I have Jazz going. I'm going to say Clippers because I think Clippers kind of want to have a two lottery picks. And um, Minnesota, I just think that Jimmy Ooh. Butler injury hurts a big time. Andrew be, Wiggins be right so now, devastating. yeah, he, he's, he's figured it out a little bit. But I just think Andrew Wiggins, like I said before in the other show, he's got the Joe Johnson gene right now. He's going to just disappear <laughs> when, he needs, when the team needs him the most. And it's just like, dang it, Andrew. So, I feel bad because Minnesota is such a great team, but they're so young, and their bench is just pretty, just pretty bad. With Jamal Crawford just having a terrible year, just, just the whole injury is going to come down to the Jazz are finally getting healthy and making a surge. Okay, still figure it out. Denver will stay pat. So yeah, I think Minnesota might get, might slip out of that one and be with the Clippers on the outside looking in. You know what? Why not? Atlanta gets fucked every year anyway, so might as well be a fucking Timberwolves. <laughs> and Atlanta doesn't get the fucking first round pick. And yeah, so yeah, sure, Timberwolves and Clippers. God damn it, I'm fucking sorry. Oh, fuck. 
<laughs> no, but you know what? Chances are it'll probably fucking happen. So, yeah. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, hopefully, okay, so my honest my honest prediction, though, I would say the Clippers mm-hmm. and the Nuggets probably miss it. Um, but I, the Jazz are like, because they're right there, they're, but they're still... Um, yeah, like, they can miss it. They have a they, they they yeah they have a really they have a really hard schedule ahead of them. Um, but they have one four straight. They're eight and two over their last ten. Um, all the teams, uh, the four teams ahead of them, um, are three of them are six and four. Minnesota's four and six, and they have all lost um, at least their last game. Um, Utah is definitely surging, so I feel like they're going to make it. I feel like it'll be the Clippers and the Nuggets that don't make it. I feel like Utah will get that final spot. Um, and and you know what? I'm I'm crossing my fingers that Minnesota ends up at number eight, makes the playoffs, and then the Hawks get the best possible pick that they could get. Um, I'm going to be optimistic, um, which is which is crazy rare for us from Atlanta. Um, but anyway, let's move on to the East. We got some crazy shit going on in the East, too. A little less crazy, but some crazy shit in the middle of the pack, anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously we got the Raptors and the Celtics. They're fighting it out to see who gets home court advantage. Uh, Toronto leads Boston by two games, um, but that's still, you know, well within reach. Uh, mm-hmm. But the really interesting part is three through eight is separated only by four games. Cleveland is third. Washington and Indiana are both tied for fourth. Then you got Philadelphia, who's just one game behind those two. Then you got the Bucks, who's sitting 12 and a half uh, back from, from the Raptors. They're just, just uh, one and a half back from Philly. And then you got Miami, who's just half a game back from them. Um, I feel like it's safe to say Detroit is out of the mix at this point. Um, but as far as the three mm-hmm. three, yep. there's a lot of What's that? No, yeah, I agree. We're yeah, pretty much um, but, as, but, but as far as the three through eight, there's a lot of fluidity here. So, um, you know, what what kind of sticks out to you, Juwan, most with what's going on over here in the East? Uh, sorry, had it on mute. Um, <clears throat> I'd say what surprises me the most is definitely I'd have to go with um, Indiana. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, they the way they've been playing, I can't say that I saw that. Um, I think I, when when we started the season, I didn't have them even making the playoffs. Uh, but of course, I you had did. the Knicks making it, but because I had the Knicks <laughs> making it in their place, so but no, you know, nobody did right now. Yeah. yeah, I had them um, right but, under. Okay. <laughs> I could just see. I, I if, could feel you rolling your eyes, Joel. <laughs> if I had to say one thing uh, totally shocked me uh, out of the East, it would definitely be the fact that Milwaukee uh, fell so far off uh, yeah. from where they were mm-hmm. to start the season. Uh, that was a huge shock to me because the talent's there. It just seems like either the coach, the coaching doesn't know how to execute well, the coaching the changed, man. The coaching, well, the coaching is in there. Right, but I'm yeah. saying even when Jason Kidd was there, they started to dwindle. So it wasn't like Jason Kidd was fired on a high note because they weren't playing well when Jason right. Kidd was there. Um, so that's the biggest shock to me because the talent was there, and I felt like the team was just so ready to make this playoff push. And then when uh, 
Parker came back, they would be complete, and that team would be ready to, to go to war. Now it seems like this team may make a first-round exit. Um, you know, and they're fighting for their life to even stay at uh, that seven spot. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the biggest shock to me is how <laughs> – yeah, Miami's right on them. So, to me, that's the biggest shock is how far Milwaukee has fallen uh, from where they were at the start of the season. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I think all of us had them in a top four, um, at, yeah, or four or five at least. I think I think we yeah. all had them at, at four. Yeah. Um, yeah, four or five had, around there. Yeah, somewhere around there. Like I mean, I think maybe one of us had Washington at four and had them at five. But like, I I, I feel like I had them at four. Um, so yeah, that's 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 definitely one that's kind of surprising. Um, Luke, what is your um, biggest kind of takeaway from the the East right now? I mean, uh, I would say it's definitely Indiana. I mean, no one ever saw that they'd be a playoff team, and everyone thought they were going to be one of the worst teams trading away Paul George. But I'll go with a little different one. I'm going to go with the one and three being opposite of what everyone thought they should be. Everyone yeah. thought Cleveland was going to be in one or at least Boston, and then Toronto definitely not being the number one seed and being the three seed. So I think those two being a flip-flop right now is a – it's pretty crazy, and I think if Toronto were to play Cleveland in the playoffs on home court advantage, they could. I'm not saying they're going to beat them, but definitely take it to seven, which is LeBron hasn't been done in a while. And I just I think that right there is pretty crazy because uh, everyone thought just Cleveland and Boston were the one-two for sure. Then you had your three, four, and five, which was going to be between Washington, Toronto, and then maybe Milwaukee, but they just have no coaching. So just it's just crazy that Toronto is flip flopping and they're the number one seed, while Cleveland's looking outside nine games back. So I think that's my big take right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Toronto's kind of kind of shocked the world, uh, you know, so to speak. Um, Joel. Okay, so nothing really stands out to me as super crazy for me. I think everyone's nailed that Indiana has been the most surprising because uh, I really didn't have them in the playoffs, but I didn't expect – I didn't have them as the worst team. I had them, like, right outside the playoffs. I had them at, like, nine, I think it was. Um, and I had Charlotte in. So, Charlotte was, like – Charlotte's the most disappointing team in the league for me because I expected them to make the playoffs in some capacity, uh, maybe around six or seven seed, but they obviously suck. So that's that, that's that, <laughs> but it is what it is. What it is. Um, Cleveland has been disappointing this year for the most part, considering who they have and where they've been. Uh, they're still the third seed, which I'm happy for them that they've been able to survive this long, even with all the turmoil they've been through. Um, but I've been more surprised recently with Washington, the fact that they've been able to stay afoot without John Wall and Sanaransky yeah. starting at point guard. Um, I love it. I give them a lot of credit. They're playing really well at, mm-hmm. with Sanaransky, and they're eventually going to get John Wall back. But now you're, like, worried. It's like, well, they, like, struggle again when they get him back because they've been doing so well with Sanaransky at point guard. And it's like they're they're definitely a threat the way they're playing right now. They're a good team. We always thought they were a good team. And then they started off really bad. Then John Wall got hurt. And not really bad, obviously. They were still a playoff team. But the, the most surprising thing for me was Sanaransky keeping the team afloat without John Wall. Without John Wall, I never expected 
um, them to survive as long as they have. So that's really the craziest thing for me. Yeah, I'm I glad will... you brought that one up because I, I was I was definitely going to bring that one up if you didn't. But Juwan, what's your what do you want to say? No, I was just going to say I will say because everyone's saying that when John Wall gets back, will you know will that team have to change to to fit John Wall? I'll say this: that team, as constructed right now, will not win a playoff series without John Wall. So they better figure that out when he gets back rather quickly, um, like how John so. Wall fits back into into that scheme. But I just, me personally, I don't believe that team wins a series without John Wall. I think he is definitely what puts you over uh, to win a series. So that team, as that good as it looks in, in a hmm? – say it again? You don't think they can beat the Pacers as, as without Wall? Without John Wall? Yeah. No. No. No, not the way the Pacers. I'm not saying. I'm not saying who you would. I'm not saying. No, I'm not saying who you would bet on. I'm just saying you don't think there's any way that they could beat the Pacers without Joe Wall. I'll say this. I'll say this. Beal would have to average 25 a game in that series for them to win that series against the Pacers. Probably more. You could do it. Yeah, they have a chance. They have a chance, but I don't. I, I think that's good for two games, but not not possibly seven. I don't think that works for seven. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, they're going mean, to well, need John Wall in the long run. They're yeah, they're definitely going to need John Wall in the long run. Um, but I think it, it'll it'll speak to, um, I think this kind of will be interesting, a very interesting story as to what they do with John Wall come the off season. Um, do they look to shop yeah. him because they feel like they're better long term uh, without his huge salary? and with a more fluid offense if they don't think John Wall can provide that. Um, so I think that'll be the very interesting thing. Um, just real quick before we move on, I, I do also want to throw out, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed in Detroit, not just since the Blake Griffin trade, but just pretty much yeah, on the season. Me too. Like, yeah. I, I, I think, I want to say, Joel, you and me had them making the playoffs. Jawan, I don't think you did. I think you had them on the outside looking in. I had them outside maybe, too. I had them right, on, okay, right under okay. Indiana. Maybe, I think. Yeah, no, okay. So maybe, Juwan, I think you had them in because you didn't have Charlotte, right? Am I, am I, I right about that? I didn't have Charlotte in, uh, but the main reason I thought Detroit would make it, uh, I know I had Detroit in there because remember one of my bold predictions was Detroit would be able to knock uh, Cleveland out. <laughs> no, I think I said Washington. I think I said Washington. That was, that was Washington. Washington. That, that is right. That wasn't Detroit. That same prediction. <laughs> it was. It was Washington. It was Washington. Oh, um, but no, I still think I know. I know I had Detroit in <laughs> um, because I, I I didn't have obviously didn't have the Knicks in and I didn't have Philly in. Um, I had Philly. I didn't barely, have the Knicks in either. Barely missing out. Um, so I had I had Detroit and I had. Sh- no, I, I had yeah, I had Detroit and I had Charlotte. Um I had Miami and Philly missing. So those are my two right now that are off. Um but uh just Detroit's overall game has been has been disappointing uh throughout the season. They started off really well. Um they were like top four for a while. Um Reggie Jackson's obviously been struggling with his injury, which is weird to think that like impacts them that much because when Reggie Jackson's on the team, they seem to play better when Ish Smith is running the team. And now that he's not on the team, it seems like they really miss him. So it's like a weird kind of anomaly of Reggie Jackson. Um, I I was one of the people who didn't necessarily think that the Blake Griffin trade was a good long-term move, but I did think it would 
Um, it would help them make a playoff run this year, and it's the kind of move that you do if you want to be a, a playoff team because it was very. It, it struck me very similar to the Indiana move as far as getting Oladipo and uh, Sabonis. Like, if you don't want to do a complete rebuild, if you still you're if you're one of those markets that just you don't feel like you you don't want to rebuild and you don't feel like you have like a team that's good enough to make the playoffs, then you know you make you make a move like that and you try to make a playoff run, even though you know at best you're you know a, a second round exit. Um, but yeah, I mean they have just they've played terrible. They're two and eight over their last ten, three game losing streak. I don't think they have any chance of making the playoffs at this point. And Blake Griffin has not played very well outside of the first like three or four games that he played with them. Um, so that's very disappointing. Um, real quick, before we move on, fellas, I want to throw it around. Um, similar to what we did last time, since the East is pretty much set, what I want to do is I want to throw it around and I want to say right now, at this given time, who do you have making the finals? So I'm going to start with you, Luke. Um, uh, I hate to do this, but it's the Celtics. <laughs> uh, just because I think, hopefully, in my mind, this way it shapes up. We, the Celtics somehow jump to the, the one seed, and then you're going to have two and three, which would be Toronto and Cleveland, take it to seven. They're going to duke it out. It's going to be a going to be a battle between them. Whoever comes out is going to be pretty tired. So I think the Celtics would fare through that way, just getting into the Eastern Conference Finals. But it's hard. I, I mean, I just rooted against LeBron, which is just a mortal sin. So I don't know how I did it, but I mean, I, I had to go with the Celtics. And and in the West? In the West, I, I don't, you just, oh, man, I don't even know. Uh, Golden State, I'm just going to say that just to be safe, even though I think Houston may be able to do it. So I think it's going to be a Golden State Celtics finals. But uh, it okay. could be a repeat, like usual. <laughs> yeah, let's just hope it's not a repeat. One way or the other, let's let's hope somebody somebody new gets in there. Um, Juwan, who you got? As much as I want to side with you, uh, Luke, and put Boston in there, but I've been seeing as of late uh, from that team, even though they've been winning, they struggle offensively if Kyrie's just not on. And I feel as though teams in the playoffs, they, they hone in on that. And they'll double Kyrie, they'll make him super uncomfortable, and they'll force Tatum and those young kids to step up in the playoffs. And I think they're maybe a year away from actually being able to do that. Um, so I'm going Cleveland, uh, Cleveland versus Golden State. Don't believe in the Rockets, never will. Uh, never have, never will. And uh, I'll never bet money on, on the Raptors as long as Kyle Lowry has the jersey on. <laughs> All right, Joel, who you got? <laughs> Well, with that retort, I have to go with Houston and Toronto. It's my choice to come out east and west. You can suck a dick, Juwan. Well, damn, you just took my pick. Uh, You know what? I will go – I'll go – I want to make this interesting. I'll go Cleveland and Houston um, because if Cleveland plays – if if Cleveland plays Houston and Houston beats them, 
that then means LeBron cannot go to Houston. So he's got to revamp everything that he's been been contemplating. Uh, As far as teaming up down there with CP3 and James Harden, can't do that anymore. He's going to get all that KD talk. So if if Houston plays Cleveland – um, then uh, I think that would that would put an end to the Cle- uh, to the LeBron to Houston uh, rumors, and he would have to either pick like Philly, LA, or stay in Cleveland. Um, mm-hmm. And so that would just you know that would give us that a little more parity because at this point I think we can all agree Houston is good enough without LeBron James. They don't need no LeBron James, and we don't need to see you know at that point there just be two teams in the West and pretty much nobody else uh, until Boston uh, and um, Philadelphia, you know, make their surge. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to pick. Um, but let's move on. we got a few more topics left. Uh, we've got about 20 minutes. Um, I know, Jawan, that you have some interest in this topic. Um, so I'm going to definitely kick it to you first on this one. Jordan Clarkson took a little umbrage with Darius Saric dunking the ball in the closing seconds of Saturday's game with the win in hand. There's some kind of unspoken rules in sports. In basketball, if the lead is in hand and the team's not trying to foul you, you got the ball with less than 24 seconds left, you just dribble out the clock. Um, In football, if you've got the lead, you know, with – you know, not enough time for the team to come back. They don't have any timeouts. You just take a knee, you run the clock out. In baseball, if you're up, you know, by 10 runs in the seventh inning, you you, you don't steal bases. Um, these are, like, just, they're not, they're not definites. They're just, like, the unwritten rules of sport. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an honor thing, if you will. Um, tell right. me, Jawan, why that is all bullshit. <laughs> That's complete BS. Uh, sports to me has always been, if you want me to stop doing it, as long as it's not against the rules, then you stop me. I remember when I played soccer, my coach used to make us run a billion laps if we either helped one of the opposing teammates up, rolled the ball their way, um, or did anything that most people would call sportsmanship. He was not about Man. that. Uh, I'm not yeah, about the Your little league that. coach not only put an impression on, on you, he was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> complete asshole I, is what he it, was. Yeah. It, it completely stuck with me because, to me, as long as it's not against the rules, why can't I dunk? I mean, I saw in college basketball today they had a fight. Uh, time was running out. They were up by, like, I think 10, and dude threw an alley-oop. Why not? Why not? I want to embarrass you. I don't just want to beat you. I want to embarrass you, especially if it's in front of the home crowd or the away crowd is even better. I don't think that that should be an unwritten rule or should be frowned upon. If you don't like me scoring 1,000 points in a game while you only score 50, then you get better. You go to the gym. You do your X's and O's a lot better, and then I won't have a chance to do things like that. But if you think for a second – that it's 10 seconds left and I'm just about to hold this ball. Now nah, I might even take a half court shot and try to make it just to rub it in your face. I, I, I hate the idea that guys think because, you know, there's an unwritten uh, rule and we're a brotherhood that if you're up by 15 and it's six seconds left, just dribble it out. Nah, I'm not for that. I'm taking a three. Sorry. <laughs> Man, like that's, uh, you're coming in hot 
on that one, uh, Jawan. Um, I feel like that's that's probably your hot take for the night. Uh, I, I I gotta I gotta respectfully disagree. Um, I uh, I definitely didn't have uh, you know an asshole coach like you had, um, who, who who very well I, I will say might be a very fine upstanding individual, but as a coach, sounds like an asshole. Um, now nah, my thing was this, like, I, and I was all about blowing teams out too. But in the in the closing seconds, if you've got it wrapped up. Like, yeah, that's that's all well and good. You know, if it's in football and it's the, you know, third quarter and you're up by, you know, 37 points and it's like the team can't possibly come back, I don't care if you throw a 50-yard bomb. Like, sure, it's still the third quarter. But, like, you know, if it's in the closing seconds of a game or in the final innings of a, of a baseball game or what have you, like, it's just a respect factor, man. You don't you don't dog somebody like that. And I I even used to go as far as when uh, when I was when I was playing basketball, and we would win a game, and there was like a really bad call at the end. I would even go up to the opponents and like just tell them I'd be like, man, that was the wrong call. Like I'm I'm sorry. I hate I hate to even win like that because like to me. It wasn't I, I wasn't on that Michael Jordan train of thought where it was like win at all costs. It didn't matter. Like, you know, like I wanted to win the right way. Um, mm-hmm. And part of that, you know, is, you know, going to somebody when they just had a devastating loss and a ref, you know, didn't call something that should have obviously been called or called something that shouldn't have been called. You know, I would walk up to them and say, man, like, I'm, I'm sorry that the game ended that way, you know. Um, it's just a respect factor, and that's kind of always the the kind of more John Wooden-esque um, uh, type of player that I've always been, and that's kind of how I just view sports in general. Um, let me kick it to you, Luke. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, no, I'm completely with Juwan. Um I just <laughs> – I don't uh, – these some of these unwritten rules I just don't really care for. I mean, if you really are caring that I'm scoring at the end of the game, then you should be competing the whole game and trying to hold me that I'm not having a score. We should be up by one point. I'm having a bit. So I just think it's dumb. I think too, I understand the whole respect factor and all that, but I mean, what if you're a, a bench player that never gets to really see the floor and all that, and you want to score for the first time and all that. I mean, you're going to get mad right there at me just because I mean, I never get playing time and I, I want to have, I know Dario search uh, gets a, gets playing time, but I'm just saying, it's just, if I'm a player out there and I'm getting this time on the court that I might not get, I'm going to play every second that I can. I mean, we're at battle right here. We're not friends until the end of the game. I mean, we're in battle the whole time that clock's ticking, so I don't have a problem with it. I think some of the unwritten rules are kind of childish and, like, outdated, but some kind of do need to stand. But, I mean, in the end, I'm, I'm with Juwan completely like, nah, we're we're – we're 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 not friends right now. We can have respect outside the game, and we'll talk and don't hold grudges. But when I'm playing you one on one, and when I was playing sports, you just you turn into a different animal sometimes. And it's just, nah, it's just sportsmanship. Just that can go out the window. I mean, I'm here to win, and I'm proving to you that I'm better than you, and I'm gonna beat you at at everything. So compete and and do good, and then 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 you can make a fuss that you lost barely, but. So I don't have a problem with that at all. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, see, I'm I'm of the mindset that you can be sportsmanlike and still have that 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 other personality, if you will. Because um, I, I mean, I as a as a 
um, athlete in my younger days, I definitely had that. Like I, I had a little more swagger uh, when I was on a basketball court. I was more cocky. Um, like opposing teams hated me. I remember playing rec ball when I was like maybe 15, 16. Every team in that league and every player that was not on my team hated me, um, uh, or most of them did. Um, but I still like I still always like uh, had a you know just some level of sportsmanship. Um, but I definitely like played with that same kind of intensity. Um, and, you know, I, I think you can strike a balance between the two. It, it would just be my well, opinion on that. Um, wait, wait, wait. Let, let, let me kick it to Joel, and then I'll, I'll, I'll kick it back to you, Juwan. Joel, what are your thoughts? Okay. I'm with you, Nick. Uh, I never I never grew up with the – I wasn't raised that way. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I don't kick people while they're down. They're fucking losing. I don't want to rub it in your face. As long as I'm not in threat of losing the game, you know, respectfully, I'm not going to rub it in your face, you know, because I know what it's like to lose. I know I don't like it when it happens to me, so why would I do it to someone else? Um, that's usually how I work. If, you, if I don't want it being done to me, I'm not going to do it to you. Um, respectfully, uh, there's a sportsmanship that comes out of it. Like, it, it is nice to be respectful, even though you could you could be animals during the game. Like I'm gonna rip your throat out during the game, but at the end of the game, it's over. I'm like you're not fucking coming back. Don't be a dick about it. You don't have to be an right. asshole at the end of the game. You know what I mean? During the game is a different story. By the end of the game, it's over. It's just, that's how I feel. Yeah. So it's basically like it's like like whether the clock has hit zero, if the game is over in its essence. The, then you can right. kind of turn off that that other mentality. Yeah, see, that's right, I think that's right. a good way to explain it. I like that you yeah. you pointed that out, um, Jawan. Your retort. Yeah, no, to me, and if you watch that full game, which I did, there was no intensity in that game as far as just like the teams really not liking each other. In one team, you know, obviously one team won, but there wasn't really that that high level of competition. I mean, you had. Joel Embiid, who was pretty much making out with LeBron in the game. And you had Ben Simmons saying, are you my daddy? It was it was disgusting. So if you're telling me a game would end where it's pushing and shoving, I love that. Yeah, I hate that. I hate when LeBron plays guys, and instead of the guys wanting to take it to LeBron, it's just like a guy will cross LeBron and dunk it, and then they're hugging at, at the timeout. Like, I hate that. So if you're telling me So do you think that shooting, was a message I mean, from me, Sarich? Like, we don't need No, you. I don't. I don't. Okay. No, I don't think Sarge is doing anything like that. I'm just saying. Well, me, I'm just saying maybe Sarge level... feels a little threatened. Maybe Sarge feels <laughs> like should. maybe LeBron would play he the should. four if he came there and not the three. So I'm saying. He should. Um, but, no, I, I just look at it to where it's one of those things to where I get what you're saying, Joel. Don't be, a, you know, don't be a jerk. You know, you know you have the game or whatever. But to me, and when you said, you know, I know I don't like losing, so I'm not going to rub it in your face. But the thing, the thing of it is, I worked really hard to get to this point. And like the point Luke was making, I know Sarge doesn't fit this, this example, but if I'm a player who doesn't get a chance to play like often and you bring me in for the last five seconds, if I can throw it off the backboard, throw it around my neck and then dunk it with my feet, I'm doing that. I don't care if I'm up at 30. I want to make an impression. So to me, that's an unwritten rule that shouldn't exist because it's just like, if I'm up and I want to throw up a three in the last three seconds, why not? Why weren't you able to bring that intensity 
the other three quarters? Why is it now a, a huge deal? Because I want to do this in the last few seconds. That that's the only thing I, a, I don't get about it. But that's also another unwritten rule. It's like when some coaches get upset that they have their starters out there when they're up thirty-five. Like why the fuck are your starters still outside? Like playing why not? when you're up thirty-five My guys points. Want numbers. <laughs> no. My guys want numbers. Okay. That's what I mean. But well, you're but off then you can't hold both points. arguments. Then damn it, you can't say like the argument you just got through saying, and then say, but have the starters out there. Those are opposing ideals. They don't they, like. Wait, hold they on. Are mutual, how, they how are mutually exclusive. They are opposing because opposing? you're sitting there because you're sitting there and saying, well, you know, if it's a if it's a bench player, like you know, sure, like they can go out there and like they're trying to prove something. Well, like, okay, sure, I'll give you that, fine. If it's a bench player, they can do that. But like, but now you're saying, but no, I'll have your starters out there and let them do that. Those are opposing ideas. They're not like. No, no, what I'm saying is, no, what I'm saying is if you have your starters out there, the reason you have your starters out there, I assume is to get your numbers up. What what else are are they doing out on the floor? If they the game no is out of the game, <laughs> yeah. like I can't answer that question. They should have be on the board. Yeah. yeah, they should have been at thirty-five points. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, is if Rashawn you want to take your starters out, homie, get some dunks. Like, if you want, if you want to take your starters out in the last few seconds, of course that's fine. But if you keep them out there and I you're saying seconds. James Harden, if if you're saying James Harden in the fourth quarter up by like thirty and there's like six minutes left, is trying to get eighty, I you know stop him. <laughs> Stop him. You can't be mad because I'm trying to go super hard with six minutes left and we're already up by 30. You have okay, to stop sure. him. Okay. But that's right. Right. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, okay, so Kobe went off for 81, but that game was like the, – the reason that the Lakers won that game was Kobe getting 81, right? Um, right. But yeah. when 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 D. Lillard dropped 50 in three quarters and when Clay Thompson dropped 60 in three quarters and the, and the games were essentially over by the fourth quarter – they both set out, and Damian Lillard even came out and said, I would rather get 50 and three quarters than, you know, go out there uh, when, you know, the, the game's already in hand only to try and run up my own numbers um, because I feel like that's the right way to play. Like, another reason why I got respect for Dame, well, for Dame Dollar. Good like, guy, so, you know. Yeah. Sure. Like, so that's, 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 that's fine. <laughs> that's fine, but Sarek, Sarek didn't see it that way. Sarek saw it, like, why not? Let me get this quick layup, get a nice quick little bucket. Why not? <laughs> Screw it. Stop me. Up, no, up if, if you watch that play again, percentages. if you watch that play again, no one defended him. No one defended him because the idea of this stupid rule exists. No one defended him. So if I'm that's him, yeah, why not? It's an easy lane. Okay. Why not? I'm all right, we're just. Basket. That's fine. We we are we are obviously uh, each each of us. Um, me and Joel and you and Luke on on different ends of the spectrum here. So let's move on because we are not gonna we are not gonna bridge this gap. Um, I wanna I wanna take just two minutes or so to to talk about a little just, just so few times that something so funny happens. Um, Jamara Smith <laughs> reportedly threw soup at an assistant coach um, and was suspended for a game because of it. Uh, I saw a great tagline that uh, said the soup opera in Cleveland, um, and I loved it. I thought that was so clever. Um, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you this, just real quickly. Gonna throw it around the panel. What kind of soup do you think it was that he threw, and what would be the worst soup to have thrown at you, uh, Luke? 
Okay, so I went with you got probably some chicken noodle soup because it's probably really cold <laughs> over in Cleveland, and they want to yep. and they want to make sure he doesn't get a cold. And he was like, "This chicken noodle soup's garbage right here. Gator don't play no games, and Jared Smith don't play no games. He is, he is, he is as good as it gets out there on the court. So Jared don't play no games. So I think that 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 was that. And I think the worst soup would probably be clam chowder." Just because it's so milky and it'd just be white all over you and having to smell like seafood would just be disgusting. And if it's that pink one, there's two different ones. They're just, oh, either clam chowder would not want that thrown on me at all. Yeah, that, that would be a bad one. All right, uh, Jawan. I actually completely agree. <laughs> that was hilarious. I, I completely agree. I don't have anything to, to, to up that. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Okay. All right, Joel. Uh, I guess Campbell soup. I don't know any any soup that's hot would be any. It would be bad because you getting burnt. <laughs> I'm assuming hot soup hurts, <laughs> no matter what kind of soup it is. And I believe it was Damon Jones he threw it at, so he probably asked for it. <laughs> Make it even funnier. Make it even funnier. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he was definitely eating ramen noodles. Um, because ramen. like. <laughs> Nah, just like, come on, bro. You know Jr. and and chicken ramen. Don't bring any of that fucking shrimp bullshit. Like Jr. <laughs> he's a real ramen noodles eater. He eats chicken ramen, just like any any decent human being. Um, maybe maybe mix it up with some beef every now and then again, but like mainly chicken ramen. So yeah, he was definitely eating some chicken ramen, and he chucked that shit at him. Um, Cause it was in the little Bitch. cup and everything, and he just threw the whole cup at him. Yeah, that's what happened. I'm, 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 I'm guaranteeing it. I will give anyone three to one odds if you want to bet against me in it if it ever comes out. Like it will definitely have been a bowl, the little plastic uh, or styrofoam bowl of chicken ramen. That's what he threw. Um, as far as the worst soup to have thrown at you, I'm gonna say clam chowder would be bad. But like, here's my thing: like the thicker the soup. Like, like a clam chowder is real thick. Like, I feel like, A, it wouldn't spread out as much, um, and, B, like, it, like when it hit you, it would kind of stay in place. Um, I would be more afraid of, like, a really hot, thin soup because it would spread out more and it would get all, you know, it would go all mm-hmm. over you more. Um, and so, like, I'm going to say, like, a French onion soup because that's still, you would have, like, that kind of French onion-y, oniony smell, but it's, like, thin, mm. so it would go everywhere, and it would burn the shit out of your face and shit. Like, French onion soup, that would be, like, the worst one to have thrown at you to me. Um, or some soup in that kind of fashion. Um, and also one that, that like, soup. Has, a, has a darker color to it. Um, it would now fuck you up royally. Motherfucker. Yeah, me too, me too. Any um, soup is, <laughs> is the worst soup to have thrown at you. Yeah, yeah. Nobody soup likes soup being thrown at them. Yeah, I, I don't, like... What the fuck do you think he said for him to throw soup at him? Uh, that that's an that's another Honestly. question for a different day. <laughs> You're not gonna yeah, start like, anymore, Jr. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. it's debatable as to whether you, it's debatable as to whether you should be anyway. So, you know, there's actually there's that. I, I know I know what he said. 
He told him no more Hennessy in the locker room because you know how J.R. <laughs> okay, I said, fuck you and threw the soup at him. Yeah. Nice. That's it. Problem solved. No more Henny in the locker room. J.R. said, fuck you and threw his ramen at him. That's what happened. We, you heard it here first, folks. Um, anyway, great show, fellas. Um, as always, thank Word. you all for joining Word. me. Um, uh, just kind of check out some, some different stuff we got coming up. We got about a, a minute left. Um, Juwan, do you want to tell the people what we got coming down the pipeline very soon? Yes. Uh, we have Top Ten this Saturday. We have Geek Bob's Live this Sunday. And we have a very special guest from Ash versus Evil Dead, I think is the, the show. Um, Damn right, so that's the show. Stay tuned to yeah. see exactly who name. that is. I will not say it here. Just stay tuned to see who it is, and stay tuned for oh, all the other it. crap that we have coming. Don't and yet, Joe. and I would also like to say we got an awesome, awesome, very competitive game show-esque thing coming up. I'm going to wait on that. We got a great title for it. Shout out to Joelle's wife for coming up with it. Um, we're going to be, we're going to be relaying that info very soon. So stay tuned everybody. And as always, thank you for joining us. Peace. Peace. Peace out, y'all. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.